Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. What are you doing down here, you shawnee man? Come on. You didn't think we were going to leave you without a football podcast in the off-season, did you? Not on Ken Early's watch anyway, that's for sure, I can. I'm good, how are you? You sound a little bit a little bit off-season there yourself. We'll get back to you in a moment. Murph, how are you? Hey, old, how's it hey, going? All right. Great, 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 yeah. Well, we're here to fill the void between the end of the World Cup and the start of the Premier League. And we have one the man to thank. The void is like 10 days longer or something as well. We should all be thankful for this void. Ken is, has, the void in human form is Ken yeah. right now. Yeah, he's put himself into standby mode. <laughs> See if he can plug in his power. We have one man to thank for helping us to make it happen today. That man is Mezzodos. He released a three-page Instagram post yesterday in which he tore strips off. Four-page Instagram post. Four-page, in no particular order. I might have missed the page again. I better, I better bone up on that final page before we chat to Rafa Honigstein later. He tore strips off the German media, the German FA, the German FA's president, the German FA's sponsors, Lothar Matthäus, Ozil's own charitable partners, and the school he went to as a kid. As international, international retirement statements go, it was a bit of a belter. And we're going to get into all of this in the report on sport momentarily, Ken, and also a little bit later on with Raphael Honigstein. But first, some important news, some very important news to bring you right now. One of our favourite nights of the year is almost upon us as we welcome a superstar name from the world of football to Dublin for our second captain's Premier League night with Cadbury. On Thursday, August 9th at our home venue, as we like to consider it. Well, um, neutral venue. We just do all of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Liberty a little nice football gag for you all there. Liberty Hall Theatre in Dublin. We're going to welcome a name familiar to you all. Drum help, please. A whole new way of doing journalism. It's brilliant. I don't know what you're talking about. But I cannot reveal that name just yet. It's not Eamon Duffy or Vincent Brown. No, it's neither of the the two people that you heard. Oh, it's not the wolf either. No. The wolf is not making a personalised Well, he might be there, but he's not the main thrust (laughs) of the conversation. It is a superstar name from the football world. As I said, we can guarantee you that you will be very happy with this person and what they're going to bring you if you get a golden ticket for this one. Tickets are available now for free. That's free. 
competitive enough sort of a price uh, that's a very competitive price at secondcaptains.com forward slash live secondcaptains.com forward slash live as always world service members got some advance notice of tickets that's another perk of being a member so if they're gone don't blame us just join the world service make sure you can grab a pair the next time big thanks to Cadbury official snack partner to the Premier League for all of this right now let's please report on Sporkin <laughs> Well, when you mentioned Mesut Ozil there, and uh, yeah, this is um, this is one of the biggest stories I think in the history of German football. Uh, what's happened um, with his decision to quit the national team because he cannot, he doesn't feel as though he can play when he's been disrespected. Uh, he says, "I will no longer be playing for Germany at international level whilst I have this feeling of racism and disrespect." I used to wear the German shirt with such pride and excitement, but now I don't. So, okay. What does he say in this statement? He starts off by, this is his first real um, time that he's come to address this issue of the photograph, which caused such um, controversy in Germany before the World Cup himself uh, and Rissi Berdi on the uh, Turkish president. Uh, also, Ilke Gundian of Manchester City, he was there in some of the photos. He was the one who gave Erdogan a shirt saying, to my president. Um, Gund- Gundogan did subsequently issue a statement to try to put it to bed from his side of things, which I think maybe had limited success. Mm. But Ozil, up, th- up until this point, hasn't said anything about it. Ozil didn't. And, and Ozil, uh, Ozil was, was evidently annoyed that this was being turned into an issue as he makes point in his statement uh, that he it's not like this is the first time he'd met Erdian you know it was, it was like okay I've, the first time I met him was in 2010 I think uh, okay so what does he say he says like many people my ancestry traces back to more than one country whilst I grew up in Germany my family background has its roots firmly based in Turkey I have two hearts one German and one Turkish during my childhood, my mother taught me to always be respectful and to never forget where I came from. These are still values that I think about to this day. Um, so, uh, the, the, just even there, the, the statement of I have two hearts, one German and one Turkish, uh, is something which will automatically annoy lots of people in Germany. We're like, well, there's only room for one heart. You have to have only a German heart. It used to be the same with the Catholics. Like... Uh, how can the Catholics be count- how can the loyalty of the Catholics be counted on when they are loyal to the Pope in Rome instead of uh, you know th- there should only be loyalty to the Kaiser you know this is from a right, yeah. from a previous time of mm. there's always this kind of uh, thing going on anyway this is this is the way Ozil says it he says in May I met President Erdogan in London during a charitable and educational event we first met in 2010 after he and Angela Merkel watched the Germany versus Turkey match together in Berlin since then our paths have crossed lots of times around the globe and where the picture was caused a huge response in German media and while some people may accuse me of being of lying or being deceitful the picture we took had no political intentions okay maybe you can say that but can you really say that can you really say when you meet the increasingly controversial president of your country in the lead up to an election they had an election in Turkey in June and so this is just a few weeks before that it's not political at all in any way. Can you say that? You might want it to be like that, but can you really say that it's, that you know, hey, sports and politics don't don't mix. Just because I'm a sportsman meeting with a politician, I still, it's, it's like there's a firewall in my brain. I didn't consider 
nor should I have had to consider any of the possible implications of me having this clubby photo with the this president yeah. that that might you be can, seen as an endorsement of some kind. You can say it, but you can also run the risk of sounding incredibly naive at best. Yeah. Um, and as we'll see from the rest of the statement, he doesn't sound that naive about a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, mm. a, you could sort of claim to be the, a dummy, but the rest of the statement kind of gives the lie to any claim of him being a dummy. You could say, okay, maybe maybe Ozil didn't write this statement, but okay, did he? If it's if it's like his uh, his media people, his his communications people who've who've written this statement, which for some reason is all in English. Um, did they were they off the day of the the Erdogan invitation arrived? They didn't get the chance to run that one through the checker. Is this something we really want to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, also, statement says, as I said, my mother has never let me lose sight of my ancestry, heritage, and family traditions. For me, having a picture with President Erdogan wasn't about politics or elections. It was about me respecting the highest office of my family's country. My job as a football player and not a politician, and our meeting was not an endorsement of any policies. In fact, we spoke about the same topic we do every time we've met, football, as he too was a player in his youth. Again, you know, it's sort of like you wish it could be like that, but you probably should know that it's not really going to be like that. You know what I mean? It's like if you're deciding to be in the photo. And the thing is that he could have decided not to be in the photo because Emre Chan was also asked to be in it, and he said no. So that's that's kind of what makes Ozil's situation look right. as though it was within his control. You know what I mean? It's not like I simply had to do this. He says, um, the truth is not meeting with the president would have been disrespecting the roots of my ancestors, who I know would be proud of where I am today. Well, in that case, Emre Chan has disrespected. You know, you, you see what I mean? Mm. So his involvement sort of... Uh, does well, well, it's also, the, is, is it not the case? Uh, it sounds like we're hammering um, Ozil here, and there's a lot of sympathy due to Ozil, I, I believe, based on the amount, on how he has been scapegoated for the World Cup, mm. uh, World Cup defeat, and a lot of the vitriol that comes his way, and has come his way long before this Erdogan thing came up, but just the, that side of things, that, that, that sort of naivety showing there, whether it's deliberate or not, is a little bit hard to hard to defend you know and it's not because it's not as though he's just meeting the Turkish president he's meeting this Turkish president mm. who's responsible for <laughs> you know for all sorts of stuff all, all sorts of unsavory stuff so he seems to want to separate that uh, like you, you have to respect the office of the president it's the same line I think Rory McIlroy used a similar line about meeting Trump you have to re- have to respect the office and play golf no you don't you don't yeah. have to respect anything you can, well, you ton, can... Ton, tons of American uh, sportsmen didn't yeah. Go to the White House to see Trump. You know, didn't I, I mean? How many? Yeah. There's there's like loads of them. It's not like yeah. just one. It's not like it's just uh, a sign of a, ca- a kind of a Kaepernick outlier. Yeah. There's tons the of Golden teams. State Warriors have just no way. Just no, we're not no meeting them. Going, forget about it. So you don't. I mean, it is it is up to you. Um, it's a hilarious, uh, you know, abnegation of you know personal choices in your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Come on, like. You can make a decision about any number of things, and this—you can't just say, "Well, it's not even a decision." I have to respect the office. No, you don't. Of course, you don't. Um, so, what? What? Where else does, it, does he say? Okay, uh, he says, "For me, it didn't matter uh, who was president. It mattered that it was the president." Having respect for political offices of view, I'm sure both the Queen and Prime Minister Theresa May share when they too hosted early on in London, whether it had been the Turkish or the German president. My actions would have been no different. Uh, I get that this may be hard to understand, as in most cultures, the political leader cannot be thought of as being separate from the person. But in this case, it is different. 
whatever the outcome would have been in this previous election or the election before that, I would still have taken a picture. So he's basically saying, I did it and I do it again. Mm. You know? Why? I remember at the time thinking, why is this so controversial for the Germans? Because I, I kind of see his point there and it's like, okay, you know, he, he's invited to meet Erdogan. Maybe he doesn't want to say no. Maybe he's worried about what might happen if he does. Like, I mean, what has Erdogan actually done, you know, which, is, which has made him so objectionable in the eyes of, of German liberal critics? And here what we're talking about is like uh, German liberals uh, who, who are objecting to Erdogan because of... See, it, the, the reason that this is quite an interesting uh, story, I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting things about it, but it kind of has weirdly united both the anti-foreigner right-wingers in Germany uh, who see the likes of Ozil as uh, an unreliable element within the society, as a, a fifth column for the Islamicization of Europe or whatever, whatever it is, you, you know, your your uh, your your crazy right-wing <laughs> view of choice. And also these liberals who are like, you know, the er Erdogan's uh, assault on Turkish democracy is an offense against German values. Uh, the values of tolerance, uh, free speech, and, and so on and so forth. And he's trampling, he's riding roughshod over that. So you suddenly have this, both of those camps of people, the Turks out bunch and the uh, German values uh, liberals, kind of united in criticizing Ozil for, their, for different reasons. Um, I mean, I remember when we were talking about it at the time, I think Owen and I was saying, expressed some puzzlement that, I didn't see why it had been such a big issue. I can understand, for instance, it being made into an issue by like people who are trying to agitate and say, oh, look at this guy. Oh, so this is just typical. This is what we're talking about. You can't rely on these. These guys aren't even German. He doesn't even think he's German. To my president. That was good again. Not also, but, you know, to my president. Who's president? Which side is this guy on? You know, and then turning it into an issue. But why would people have been like, oh, hey. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you saw Salah with, with Kadyrov, were you not sort of like... I feel a bit sorry for Salah here. Well, that to me was, I don't know if it's worth comparing, but I, he, it seems though he was put into a serious spot there. You're in Chechnya. You're, FA has decided to base yourselves in Chechnya. You're called down by the, well, I, I don't know, I suppose going by my other logic about McElroy and, and, and about, about uh, Gunagan and Ozil, I suppose Salah could have said no. Well, we, well, we, got, a, we got an email um, from a listener at the time did I mention this before? But the, basically, the, the listener said, um, I'm surprised at your lack of knowledge regarding the whole Turkey-Germany debacle. Uh, as, per, as a world service member who lives in Germany, let me try and break it down quickly. Germany and Turkey have an interesting relationship. Turkey, the Turks are the biggest minority group, but there's not a lot of integration for some reasons too deep to go into here. Um, resentment on both sides. A lot of Turks who came over as many construction workers in the 70s feel Turkish and not German, with many of the older generation not speaking the language, etc. This is in comparison to many Turks who live in Istanbul and uh, who are more educated, liberal, etc. I'm generalizing for speed. If you look at a map of the recent Turkish election results, you see one of the, which was narrowly won by Erdogan with some, you know, controversy. How, how fair was this election and so on. But the map of the results is one of those... Uh, that are becoming more sort of common now, where when when the, when it's broken down, like sort of the three largest votes, the the color for Erdogan is like the entire. It's it's basically most of the country, but most of the country which happens to be mountain, you know what I mean? It's like uh, 
a bit like, you know, the United States, you see this big red mass in the middle and blue around the edges. Well, it's the same. Turkey, you had the major opposition candidate uh, who I won't call Ince, uh, although that <laughs> the name is Ince. I'm, it's, I'm sure it's not pronounced like Paul Ince. Um, but the vote was all along the western sort of fringe of Turkey. Um, the part, the, 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 the furthest westerly part, which also happens to be where a huge concentration of the population actually lives. So while it looked like a tiny proportion of the country is supporting this side and, and a vast proportion is supporting the other, in fact, it was, you could see the urban kind of areas where a lot of people living are supporting the opposition figure. So this is the point that, that our listener was getting to. Um, Turks abroad can vote in national elections back home which is obviously different from Irish people abroad, something Irish people abroad are often complaining about. Uh, and due to this and other reasons, Erdogan is always inciting local Turkish populations against German foreign policy, antagonizing the German government and being openly hostile and critical to Germany and German democracy. There is no love loss between the two governments. There was the Böhmermann affair, where Erdogan tried using a quirk in German law to extradite and take to court a famous German talk show host, which pissed off a lot of Germans. Um, so, you know, apparently the German Turks were kind of more pro Erdogan in the vote than sort of the, the liberal Turks who were being trampled on by Erdogan, who's, who would have the sympathy of, you know, Germans and so on. So you can see how this is like a really complicated, uh, thanks to the listener for that. And I'm sure there are people who say, oh, the guy's completely got it all wrong, but it does show some of the kind of complexities that are going on. This is why people were annoyed by the photograph in the first place. Now, we're still only, we've still only done page one of this statement, right? Page two. <laughs> Continue. Um, He's got a few few things he wants to get off his chest on page two, if I recall. Well, he, he, he talks about the, I can't accept German media outlets blaming my dual heritage in a simple picture for a bad World Cup on behalf of an entire squad. Certain German newspapers using my background and photo with President Erdogan as right-wing propaganda to further their political cause. He's talking about Build, most obviously. Um, build, the day that... Germany got knocked out. They had uh, a front page with so two sentences that move us. That we, you know, two sentences makes you think, right? One of them was Trump saying, uh, the Germans are turning against their leadership. Angela Merkel has done such a terrible job. She used to be such a superstar, and now she's just, it's a disaster. You know, Germany isn't Germany anymore since she let in all those Syrians. And then uh, that was—I mean—that's a—that's a to paraphrase Trump's comments. And then Matthias saying, "Ozil just doesn't look right in the German shirt. Like he doesn't look comfortable in the German shirt." Ah, interesting. Because when he had said that, which was a couple of days before that, Raphael Honigstein wrote about. And I think he might have talked to us in the podcast about that as well. That was quite a loaded phrase he felt. Yeah, um, and it was being the what Raphael Honigstein. I, was, I spoke to him about this uh, at the time, and he said they're they're linking these things they're presented side by side top one on top of the other two two things to think about you know and like on the one hand you've got like trump like who is who is not a popular figure in germany although maybe getting more maybe getting more popular among a certain small percentage of the population but you know making this point about the immigration policy and then matthias picking out ozil as the yeah, he doesn't look doesn't look comfortable. Um, so Ozil, anyway, t- felt that this wasn't wasn't really coming from a place of let's say good faith. Uh, they didn't criticize my performances. They didn't criticize the team's performances. They just criticized my Turkish ancestry and respect for my upbringing. Remember, Matthias had been like, yeah, they don't, they're not fighting for the German flag, the German flag when he was on BN Sports, you know. 
Yeah. This crosses a personal line that should never be crossed as newspapers try to turn the nation of Germany against me. Uh, I also find disappointing the double standards that the media has. Lothar Matthias, an honorary German national team captain, met with another world leader a few days back. That was the president of Russia. He received almost no media criticism. Despite his role with the DFB, they have not asked him to publicly explain his actions. He continues to represent the players of Germany without any reprimand. If the media felt I should have been left off the World Cup squad, then surely he should be stripped of his honorary captaincy. Does my Turkish heritage make me a more worthy target? Then he goes on. I was renounced by another partner. As they are also a sponsor of the DFB, I was asked to take part in promotional videos for the World Cup. Yet, after my picture with President Erdogan, they took me out of the campaigns and cancelled all promotional activities that were scheduled. For them, it was no longer good to be seen with me. They called the situation crisis management. He's talking about Mercedes. Mercedes, who are like the top sponsor of the German national team. Um, he says, this is all ironic because the, because the German ministry declared their products have illegal and unauthorized software devices in them, which puts customers at risk. Hundreds of thousands of their products are getting recalled. Whilst I was being criticized and asked to justify my actions by the DFB, there was no such official and public explanation demanded of the DFB sponsor. Why? Am I right in thinking this is worse than a picture with the president of my family's country? What does the DFB have to say about all this? This is the, the, the Mercedes apparently put a load of uh, software in some recent cars that were designed to sort of cheat the emissions uh, readings. You know, they were going to finesse the old mm. emissions numbers. And uh, this was ruled illegal, and they had to recall uh, like a couple of hundred thousand vehicles, which is just a thing that's that happened in the last few weeks or in the same time as all this. Um, this is what you mean by the idea we earlier on that maybe he could have just been a bit naive or ha hasn't thought through the meeting with Erdogan. This is a guy who has thought a lot about the all these issues here. He's, no flies he's, on this guy. Yeah, no flies on this guy. Um, he's putting, he, he's, he's spotting a few patterns here. He's putting two and two together. Again, maybe you could say, is it him or is it his media team? Uh, okay, but the media team was also in place, I assume. He, he hasn't just hired them. Mm. Oh, who knows? Um, but, but that sort of thing would be run past him. What, do you reckon I should meet this guy? Um, but who's next? Well, this is where it gets. This is where this is where he really. It's it's no more Mr. Nice Guy from this point on, right? <laughs> <laughs> After all of the pussyfooting around, now it's time for some hard to from some real talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, Reinhard Grindle, the DFB president. After my picture with President Erdogan, I was asked by Joachim Löw to cut short my holiday and go to Berlin and give a joint statement to end all the talk and set the record straight. Whilst I attempted to explain to Grindel my heritage, ancestry, and therefore reasoning behind the photo, he was far more interested in speaking about his own political views and belittling my opinion. Uh, so that this is what the, the apparently the the, uh, the chairman of the German FA just wanted to you know, sort of showboat around the place. Um, he, he says, uh, I didn't attend the, OP, the DFB media day during the World Cup preparations. I knew journalists discussing politics and not football would just attack me, even though the whole issue was deemed to be over by Oliver Bierhoff in a TV interview he did before the Saudi Arabia game. Uh, during this time, I also met with the president of Germany, Frank-Walter Steinmeier. Like, I mean, the president, he's the president. Like, the president of Germany is a bit like the president in Ireland in that it's kind of more of a, you ceremonial know, is that the right yeah place? head of state, head of state. Type, uh, rather than being the um, the real boss Elected leader yeah but you know it's it's like okay this is this is sort of gone to the top hmm. 
unlike Grindel, President Steinmeier was professional and actually was interested in what I had to say about my family, my heritage and my decisions. I remember that meeting was only between myself, Ilke and President Steinmeier, with Grindel being upset that he wasn't allowed inside to boost his own political agenda. I agreed with President Steinmeier. We released a joint statement about the matter, another attempt to move forward and focus on football. But Grindel was upset it wasn't his team releasing the first statement, annoyed that Steinmeier's press office had to take the lead on this uh, matter. So he goes on about this man, um, Grindel, uh, Reinhard Grindel. He says, since the end of the World Cup, Grindel has come under much pressure regarding his decisions before the tournament started. And rightly so. Recently, he's publicly said, I should once again explain my actions and put me at fault for the poor team results in Russia, despite telling me it was over in Berlin. I'm speaking now not for Grindel, but because I want to. I will no longer stand for being a scapegoat for his incompetence and inability to do his job properly. I know he wanted me out of the team after the picture, and he publicized his view on Twitter without any thinking or consultation. But Joachim Love and Oliver Berhoff stood up for me and backed me. In the eyes of Grindel and his supporters, I am German when we win, but I am an immigrant when we lose. This is because despite paying taxes in Germany, donating facilities to German schools, and winning the World Cup with Germany in 2014, I'm still not accepted into society. Um, I was called by Bernd Holzhauer, a German politician, a goat fucker because of my picture with President Erdogan uh, and my Turkish background. Furthermore, Werner Steyr, who is the chief of German theatre, according to this, told me to piss off to Anatolia, a place in Turkey where many immigrants uh, are based, I guess he means come from. As I've said before, criticizing and abusing me because of my family ancestry is a disgraceful line to cross. Using discrimination as a tool for political propaganda is something that should result in the resignation of these disrespectful individuals. These people have used my picture with President Erdogan as an opportunity to express their previously hidden racist tendencies. This is dangerous for society. They're no better than the German fan who told me after the game against Sweden, Ozil verpistisch du scheiß Türkensau. Uh, fuck off, you shitty Turkish pig. Effectively. Mm. Um, Turkenschwein, how ab. To you, Reinhard Grindel, I am disappointed, but not surprised by your actions. In 2004, when you were a German member of parliament, you claimed that multiculturalism is in reality a myth and a lifelong lie, whilst you voted against legislation for dual nationalities and punishments for bribery, as well as saying that Islamic culture has become too ingrained in many German cities. This is unforgivable and unforgettable. The treatment I've received from the DFB and others makes me no longer want to wear the German national team shirt. I feel unwanted. I think what I have achieved since my international debut in 2009 has been forgotten. People with racially discriminative backgrounds should not be allowed to work in the largest football federation in the world. They have like six million registered footballers in Germany. That has many players from dual heritage families. Attitudes like theirs do not reflect the players they supposedly represent. It's with a heavy heart and after much consideration that because of recent events, I will no longer be playing for Germany at international level. What's to have this feeling of racism, disrespect, and so on. So he says, when I rank the DFB, individuals treat me as they did, disrespect my Turkish roots, and selfishly turn me into political, political propaganda, then enough is enough. That is not why I play football, and I will not sit back and do nothing about it. Racism should never, ever be accepted. So that's, that's where Ozil's statement ends. And this is going to be a huge story in Germany for weeks, I think. This is not like just a football story. This is a kind of the whole, this is like this, what's at the center of their whole national debate at the moment is the issue of immigration and integration. And the biggest, you know, Ozil is in some senses the biggest football player in Germany. Yeah. Uh, I think he's the most followed German on Twitter, which probably has something to do with the fan base in Turkey as well. But he is 
a huge figure in German pop culture and uh, has been a massive sporting figure in Germany. And he's walked out of the national team. Like, I mean, I don't see how the president can can continue in the job if these accusations stand against him. Uh, there's, you know, there's the, there's the sponsors, there's media figures, there's so many people kind of implicated in this that this is just going to be something which which reverberates for weeks, months. It's, you know, it's it's like... I mean, you know the way Saipan was, was pretty big. <laughs> you know, this is like... Uh, this is bigger like i mean saipan had, had more was more of a personal thing this is like the, 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 the best, accusing the, yeah so just say the best we could do to make saipan into a societal issue was to say it was these old fashioned values espoused by mick mccarthy of honesty and it'll, it'll be it'll all be all right you know we're just we're in it together team spirit versus the new celtic tiger ireland yeah. of roy Keane, and that we actually have to make things right we, we should demand more of ourselves and be more professional those kind of things the stuff here, the societal stuff here, goes runs a lot deeper mm. uh, than, than that it, rather flimsy subtext. And involves, I mean, explicitly sort of involves all of these things. It's not just metaphorically. It's not just a metaphor for New Ireland, and you know, it's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's explicitly about these things. Like the 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 highest profile player of the national team quits because he feels that he's not appreciated. He's surrounded by, you know, racists. He doesn't feel welcome on the team. That's huge. Like, is this, it possible this is huge. to feel that he didn't actually have to have that meeting? Didn't have to have the photo taken with Erdogan, and maybe shouldn't have had that photo taken. Oh, but also course. feeling a lot of, but but also feeling sympathy for him for being scapegoated. If that has been put down as the reason for the World Cup and all those other issues that that he mentions, essentially the re, while he shouldn't have done it, the reaction to it seems extraordinary, and in some cases is coming from a place where people were ready to beat him with this this stick and he's getting beaten, beaten yeah. unfairly. The reaction is extraordinary. Um, I mean, it's something that we're seeing happen quite a lot, I guess. I mean, we've seen it in... Um, we've seen it with Sterling recently in, in the UK where, where uh, something starts around a football player who is a high-profile figure because of football, which then... Turns into a much wider argument, which is no longer even really about the football player. Um, I mean, Ozil obviously, in several times in his statement, talks about how he he's like, "Hang on, you're pinning this all on me. Like we were shit in the World Cup, and it's all my fault because I had this photograph." Mm. Like how much he's obviously really angry about that as well. Be, the idea that like he's the reason that the team failed, when in fact it was tons of other reasons, and he's being used. These people are covering their arse by well, uh, Mesut sort of spoiled the spoil the mood a little bit it was just never quite the same after Mesut's photograph with you know what I mean a lot of nonsense like I mean you know maybe maybe there were, there were a couple of players who were annoyed but generally speaking I'm not sure but, but but these things can't just be confined to to like football they, they just take off and develop a life of their own you can't really control them it's like when Ozil to me see, see what makes it interesting is because there's clearly there, there is merit on, on both sides of this argument you know it's not as though Ozil is completely in the right because you know I think he's trying to have it both ways a little bit I mean he's he or or someone on his staff has gone back has, has parsed has, got, has, has trolled back through the record of um, Reinhard Grindel's idiotic statements in 
the German parliament and has come up with something he said in 2004 about multiculturalism being a myth, you know? And okay, it's all very well to, to say th this is unforgivable and unforgettable. But what about Erdogan locking up, like, you know, thousands of mm -hmm. political opponents? Like, you know, what about him purging the judiciary or, like, purging the entire sort of public sector in Turkey of people he thinks might be political opponents because of who they're related to or who their father used to vote for? You know what I mean? This is something that, that's going on. This is why he's a controversial figure. I don't think he can sort mm -hmm. of say this, this minor German politician's... Uh, you know, uh, foreigner baiting comment in 2004 is unforgivable and unforgettable and sort of just turn a blind eye to all this stuff and hide behind the, well, my family, you know, I respect my family. It's all about the president of, it's the office. The office itself has changed quite a lot in recent years. This is sort of at the whole center of what's happening in Turkey, like uh, as Erdogan tries to, to, to take more and more power for the presidency and sort of strip it from the mm. parliament. So even even the office that he refers to isn't like some unchanging thing. It's kind of turning into a dictatorship. That's that's the that's the issue people have with it. So he's just sort of excused himself from having to think about any of that. But when it comes to his, you know, people like Grindel, who obviously has not been good to Ozil in any in any sense, he, he's an enemy. He's like, well, you know, look at this, look at the unpardonable well, he stuff. Do, but he does said. have to call this stuff out as well, surely. And it's something we'll get into with Raphael Honigstein, so maybe maybe we'll hold that thought there for the time being. Yeah. We're gonna, uh, have a chat with Rafa shortly. The, 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 he criticizes Mercedes, you know, for the software and stuff. But, like, he, he would have been happy to work with them if they hadn't sort of shunned him, is, is what it appears to be. If they hadn't said, oh, oh Mesut, you're not in. It's not like he was sitting there with his newspaper going, you know... Have you seen this? I can't bloody believe what Mercedes have done. After all that stuff that happened with Volkswagen, now Mercedes. I can't bloody believe it. Will these automakers ever learn? I don't care that they're a DFB sponsor. This, to me, puts consumers at risk and the environment, and I'll have nothing more to do with them until those vehicles are all well. I don't think there was anything like that. It was simply, oh, hang on, you, you're against me. Well, you know, what about... So it, it sort of seems to me a little bit lame almost to bring up the, the stuff about Mercedes's legal issues recently so where are we um just some some little bits of reaction uh early honus is just amazing to, to see this like considering everything we've just been talking about and how <laughs> how complicated the story is and how much stuff is going on with it and what sensitive issues are mm. are, are touched on by it it's a nuance to take from uli is it Oh my God! Uli Harness comes tramping in in his hobnail boots, and he goes, uh, "I'm glad. I'm glad the nightmare's over. He's been playing shit for years. He, he last won a tackle before the 2014 World Cup, and now he hides himself in this crap performance behind this photo. <laughs> his 35 million follower boys, who of course don't exist in the real world, think he's say he's played great whenever he puts in a cross." I don't know if this is a is, is a uh, is a reference to the South Korea match in the World Cup when, if you remember, Mats Hummels headed a ball off his shoulder, which if he'd headed with his head, would surely have been a one nil for Germany, which would have won them the match. The cross was played by Mesut Ozil, who set up, I think, seven chances in the match, which was the most of any player in any match at the World Cup at that time. So you could say Ozil has done nothing again, but he didn't quite do nothing. It was a team in which a lot of players didn't play very well, and he wasn't actually one of the worst players. But yet, after the defeat, it was all pictures of Ozil. Well, this is the this is your Germany, lads. 
this is your German team. Anyway, so that's what uh, that's what uh, and he, he, uh, Uli Hoeneß adds. Whenever we played Arsenal, we played straight through him because we knew he was the weak point. Uh, he, he throws that in there. Of course, what with the, the old 10-2 aggregate defeat uh, they suffered against Arsenal. I don't know if Uli was actually at that game or whether he was in jail at the time. But getting getting straight in there with the, ah, he's shite anyway. He's hiding behind it. Not a lot of subtlety there. But again, he's a guy who maybe is protecting his own players. Because there was a lot of Bayern Munich players at the World Cup who were really terrible. They played really badly. And maybe he just in his, in his selfish way is thinking just about protecting his own club. Anything else before we get into Rafael Hanson? Um I guess uh, just to mention some of the ongoing friendly international football. Friendly international club football. Uh, poor old Loris Carius threw another one in there. Oh no. Oh Jesus. Oh no. Oh. <sighs> well Liverpool were playing against Dortmund in the you know international pre-season mega cup or whatever it is. Allison hasn't joined up yet, no? No. Okay. Um, and uh, and in the last minute, Dortmund's made it 3-1, a shot by uh, young Christian Pulisic, the U.S. Tyro. Uh, not the hardest shot. Uh, right to left, angle shot across goal. Loris carries a little slow to react, pammed it out, and it was knocked into the net. Mm. So to make the final score 3-1, at least this one didn't cost them the game they were already losing um, causing more more of the hate to erupt on Twitter surely the fact that they've signed a very good goalkeeper should take the edge off it somewhat I mean you nah, would have thought never forgiven maybe it has but I, I mean, mean it should maybe but it won't. Won't. I mean, like he's like he's never going to play for the club again well this maybe the edge has been taken off and what you're seeing is like it after the after the boil has been lanced. Mm. This is just a sort of, you know, post-lancing healing process that you're actually seeing, which abuse so bad that uh, Iker Casillas, which is which is a rare thing to see, actually intervenes on behalf of a goalkeeping colleague to say, will this attack on Loris Karius never end? Um, there are many more serious problems in the world. For fuck's sake, leave the kid alone. He's also a person, as we all are. Karius had put on Instagram... To those who take joy in seeing other people fail or suffer, I feel for you. Whatever it is that's happening in your life to hold this much anger and hate, I pray that it passes and good things come to you. So he's adopting a sort of um, slow, holier than thou tone, I suppose, uh, if it helps him to deal with it. I mean, it is it is a kind of nightmarish situation, uh, which you feel he he does. Is it is it is this crazy to say that I think he should move to a different team in a different country? No, I mean, it's not that crazy. I mean, am I am I sort of caving it? Am I letting the terrorists win if I say that? You know what I mean? Like I'm letting him be chased out by a hate mob. Sometimes though, well, presumably he can play for a different team in the same league. Now that, now that I think about it, even the same league though. I mean, you consider what Steven Gerrard had to put up with after he, you know. Like songs were being sung at games not involving not involving Liverpool, not involving about Steven Gerrard. not involving Liverpool, Manchester City, or Chelsea, like who were the other team, or or Manchester United, who would do it? Not, yeah. not involving any of those teams, and still wherever he went, it was like um, 
Stevie yeah. G slipping this, the, and that was that was a player who had like an almost unparalleled record of of heroism, <laughs> <laughs> football heroism over the previous fifteen years. Like was a legend of the game in the Premier League, and then this guy, you know, it's it's Karis. I just think it's it's uh, going to be difficult. That's enough for today's report on sport. Say anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. He was about 12. <laughs> Everyone in the city knew about him, but no one had seen him. Look how happy I was. What the fuck happened? No, really. What happened? What happened? It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Well, Mesut Ozil has retired from international football, as you've been hearing. And it's fair to say, Raphael Honigstein, that he's gone out all guns blazing here. He has. Um, he committed, uh, I think, approximately 3,000 words down to paper. The big bombshell came at the very end where he accused Reinhard Grindel, the German FA president, of bigotry and of creating an environment where he no longer feels he can wear the shirt. Uh, interesting enough, the word retirement never shows up in all those 3,000 words, but the way he phrased it, it's very difficult to see him coming back, even if Reinhard Grindel were to step down. Up until this point, Rafa, my understanding of uh, Mesut Ozil's approach to things is cer- certainly in this story he hasn't said, and that this m- may have caused part of the issue that he hasn't spoken publicly about meeting Erdogan or a- any of the issues around that until now. So it's all kind of erupted over the last over the last while. But but in general, I don't know how much of interest he's ever said. It seems amazing that a guy who tends to keep his counsel and seems to operate within his own little shell ha- has has saw fit for, for his own reasons to come out with all this. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a very interesting point. I mean, when, for example, he went to Mecca and posted pictures of it, he refused to talk about it, saying it was a private matter. And in the past, he has met with uh, Erdogan many times. It was never really that much of an issue, but things have changed within Germany. Um, the right-wing AFD party have honed on it, uh, built a major tabloid to a certain extent, have played with a dog whistle as well. Uh, but crucially, Erdogan himself, his standing, of course, has very much changed over the last few years. Um, where he started out as a partner for Germany and somebody that could, they felt they could do business with and negotiate for uh, joining the Euro even, has become persona non grata, um, a dictator, somebody who has locked up thousands and thousands of opposition politicians and uh, German journalists without any trial. So this was bad timing, to say the least. I think they underestimated him and uh, Ika Gunon underestimated the uh, ferocity of the backlash. And as you said, the fact that he never really felt able to comment on it one way or the other and explain himself has given license, I think, for all those who wanted to use this for their own purposes. And of course, uh, caused just enough discomfort to rub one or two people in the German FA the wrong way. And I'm not talking about Grindel, I'm talking about people in the team, I'm talking about Löw and Bierhoff, who are all really unhappy by the fact that this thing was never really been able to um, to be resolved in any way before the World Cup started. Can I just ask you a little bit more about the the backlash when the photo happened and just what exactly was going on there? Because, I mean, Ozil's statement 
the the logic that he puts forward is look this guy is the president of turkey you know i have turkish heritage it doesn't matter to me who the president of turkey is if the president of turkey wants to meet me and get a photograph and talk about football then i will meet with the president of turkey out of respect for you know my turkish heritage that's that's his position um and it's it's one which i guess you could say it's self-evident from from the from the start of the photo when these photos appear you can say well okay um, this is what Ozil is obviously doing here. Why though was it such? Why was it so controversial? As he says, he's met him before. Um, how organic do you think this backlash was? Is it is it a case of people were genuinely dismayed and, and outraged to see Ozil apparently endorsing a figure such as Erdogan, even though he is, you know, the pre- the president of Turkey? Or is it the case that it was? It's a kind of a the sort of wedge issue that can be used by people with a pre-existing agenda. I mean, the sort of right-wing parties, the right-wing press that you're talking about, are they saying, look at this treacherous Turk, uh, you know, he's got no respect for Germany. To what extent is it is a genuine sort of consternation that people feel seeing Ozil with such a figure? And to what extent is it sort of being manufactured by people who want to push that sort of agenda? Yeah, it's, it's both. Um, I wouldn't call it outrage, but the dismay that those who were on the democratic side of the equation, if you want, uh, even a Turkish member of parliament who um, represents the Green Party, that they felt about two Germany players of Turkish background associating with Erdogan at this moment in time, just before an election where he is taking even more uh, power and has started in the bigger crackdown on opposition figures and on democracy itself, um, was real and a disappointment and a sense of is it really necessary? Uh, the fact that Emre Can found a way somehow not to uh, meet Erdogan, even though he was invited as well, um, suggested that you know it could have been avoidable, this whole thing. But, of course, there was an element of uh, manufactured outrage. There was an element of uh, deliberate politici- politicization of this issue, of uh, using it as a stick to beat him and Gunnar over with, which has become clear because... It almost hasn't mattered what they said. Gunnuan was uh, more forthcoming, um, but the reaction from the fans in the stadium and sort of in the wider social media sphere has just been the same. And some of the examples that Uzil reprints in his statement uh, show you that it very quickly transcended from criticism about his political stance to criticism of him and who he is and a sense of, as a Turk, um, he shouldn't be representing Germany in the first place. And I think that's where it took on a whole life of its own, which ultimately I think left him in a in a very untenable position. What do you think of of how Ozil has actually handled this? Because in his statement, uh, long and detailed as it is, there isn't any acceptance that maybe this was the wrong thing to do. You know, he he, he clearly doesn't think that it was. He he thinks that it, that it's okay that people should understand this argument that he's put forward. This guy is the president of Turkey. It doesn't really matter. Um, and he you know he 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 makes the point that, for instance, Angela Merkel and Theresa May and so on have met with Erdogan, and it's not so that's a problem. Although you know, they would be meeting him, you guess, in their capacity as as heads of government, which he's not. So with him, there's a more of a discretionary um, element there. But he kind of is, is going for a, look, I'm not really interested in politics. I'm sort of, you know, I've got uh, a Turkish heart as well as a German heart. The president of Turkey asked me to, to meet him then, you know, who am I to say no? But on the other hand, 
he does demonstrate a pretty keen awareness of everything that's going on around him in this statement. I mean, he he's talking about the sponsors, incidents of hypocrisy with other people. You know, it's not like he's some kind of ingenue just going around not really having a clue what's happening. He His statement is that of a sort of self-aware person who's well aware of the complex world that he's navigating, and yet he doesn't seem to bring that sort of... Um, complexity of thinking to why people might have been pissed off about this photograph. Well, I think you're absolutely right in saying there are, there are internal contradictions here, and it's not always convincing that line he's taking. I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's being said and a lot of stuff that's not being said, and we don't know exact, we don't know all the details. Having spoken to people close to him, I think they don't even know all the details. One thing we have to remember, I think, is that it's very, very difficult, um, Emre Chan's stance notwithstanding, to go from somebody who's a friend of of, uh, of Erdogan back when he was still considered pro-Western and, and fairly decent to suddenly distancing himself without any kind of repercussions. So let's say, let's for one moment pretend Ozil no longer agrees with his policies. Is he really in a position to to say that? Is he in a position to say it after the effect? You know, as a German, if they would have wanted him to say, you know what, I met him, but I actually don't agree with him. Can he really do that for fear of what happens to him, what happens to family in Turkey? Um, examples of other sports um, personalities, Hakan Shukur living in exile, uh, Enes Kanter, the NBA uh, professionals facing a lot of repercussions, suggest that maybe it's not so straightforward. If we if we exclude that possibility and say, well, actually, he hasn't got a problem with Erdogan and, and even endorses him, then, of course, we are left in a very difficult position. But here, the German FA would have had two choices. Either they say, okay, we hold our nose, we find it reprehensible, but you're still our player and you play for us and that's it. Or they could have put a sanction on him. What they didn't, what they ended up doing is saying it's okay, but now that Germany have crashed out, suddenly... Uziel has to come back and pronounce statements of commitment to German citizenship, in the words of Reinhard Grindel. And he is the one person that they talk about uh, who has to change things after the disastrous World Cup. And I think you can understand Uziel where he thinks, so hold on a second, you know, why me? Is this, was this meeting really the reason why we crashed out of the World Cup? Is it not really um, bigoted to, you know, put this on me? And I, I get all that, and I think it's uh, one, one final thought on this. I think having gone to Russia and can maybe you'd appreciate it. I think it's much harder to distance yourself from actions of a government leader that you don't agree with, because there might be other stuff you think is not that bad, or you might not be able to do it. Um, you know, a lot of people, even in Turkey, who don't disagree with Erdogan's crackdown, still still think that he's done a good job with the economy. And for us, in our very privileged position, it's very easy to say, okay, I associate with this guy, but not with that guy. I vote left or right. But I think for these people, it's a much, much harder position to take. And I somewhat sympathize with the kind of muddled and maybe conflicted position that he ultimately takes up here. You've mentioned the name of Reinhard Grindel a couple of times. Um, Rafa, he's a DFB president and he's the guy who comes in for probably the most stinging personalised criticism. What does, uh, what does he say here? Ozil says, I will no longer stand for being a scapegoat for Grindel's incompetence and inability to do his job properly. I am German in his eye, in the eyes of Grindel and his supporters. I am German when we win, but I am an immigrant when we lose. That's, um, that's some pretty serious criticism of the boss of the German Football Federation. 
Yes, and I think um, the points Uzu makes about Grindel's crisis management are, are pretty valid. I mean, he comes across as very self-centered, Grindel, as obsessed with uh, with PR, of how he comes out of this, and uh, the way he sort of meddled in the initial ways to solve this probably were are best classified as incompetent. Um, then it goes further because he basically says there are, there's an ulterior motive here that Grindel, uh, being a former politician in the Bundestag, in, uh, in Parliament, for the CDO, the Conservative Party, has used this to position himself politically and rather than protecting his player and saying, you know what, um, we can disagree about Erdogan and so on, but racism cannot be accepted, he's our player, etc., has actually... Um, fuel the flames and put oil on fire, as we say in Germany, by, by playing that card even harder um, for, his own, for his own gain. And I think here it's very hard to disagree with Uso because uh, when you come out um, a couple of weeks after the World Cup and all you talk about is Mesut Uso and his lack of commitment to German citizenship, it does uh, very much look like very convenient scapegoating the political uh, ulterior motive. And I think that's one of the reasons why Grindel will have a very, very hard time surviving this unscathed because I think he has been, he has been revealed, he has been exposed here to a certain extent. And you wonder, you know, the German FA, uh, I read the other day, I think out of the 6 million people that they have, I think something over 20% of migratory background, those people won't feel necessarily that they have a president they can fully rely on. And mm. I think ultimately that's going to be uh, just as untenable as Uto's position has been in the, in the national team. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really sad story, this whole situation, because this is, this is like the team which, you know, for more than a decade now, people have been saying this is like, um, here we have a symbol of integration, you know, here we have a symbol of working multiculturalism and so on and so forth, uh, which is now the the team itself is now kind of has become the cauldron for these kinds of wider dramas to actually be played out. I mean, what do you think in that context of what of what Ozil has done here? He kind of, he's kind of really opened up a big can of worms here in the, in, in the in the leaden cliche, but he really he really has kind of blown the lid on this. And I wonder if maybe it might have been more responsible of Ozil to try to deal with this to deal with this behind closed doors rather than rather than what's happened now i i think he was right to do it um you can argue about the way he's done it. you can argue about some of the wording and um some of the background to it as we just did but i think this is not something that can be swept under the cur- under the curtain under the carpet sorry another broken metaphor here mm. um he needed to these things needed to be said and I think it's like any organization, it starts with the top. In Theo Zwanziger, the predecessor um, of uh, Grindel, they had somebody who, who, who meant it, who had his flaws, but who meant it when he talked about integration and uh, fighting homophobia and anti-Semitism. Grindel is a very different kind of politician. Um, Uzil himself, probably more, uh, his uh, people on his communications teams went back to some statements he did in 2004 when he called multiculturalism a myth, a lie, um, talked about Islam being too ingrained in German cities. So this is somebody who's sort of a hardliner on these stances, and I think he's probably not just the wrong person for, for the job. Um, German football it doesn't work like German society because, in a way, it's been, it's been a better example of how society should be, but he's brought, brought all the division that we've had and that's uh, that we increasingly having in this uh, twisted uh, world of ours into into the German affair. 
Okay, Raphael, pretty um, pretty sad post trip to Germany's World Cup elimination. Listen, thanks so much for taking us through that today. Thank you. The flame hair, the flame hair, flame hair, truth, Mr. Kennerly. Mr. Kennerly. Every so often, I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around and bite somebody. John Hayes, I'm talking about, aren't yeah. John Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers. On sight. That's where it goes from. On sight. Thanks a lot, Pepe. How much do wanna give a fuck? Fair to say anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Got an email here before we go. It's from Owen McNestry. And the subject line caught my eye, I must say. A wedding in the World Service family. Go on. Lads, I know you don't usually do wedding shout outs, but I think this do we not? I mean, it's not like I think we've done. We don't get asked a, yeah. a massive amount. I know you don't usually do wedding shoutouts, but I think this one might Maybe be. Maybe he first. thinks we get like eight emails a week. <laughs> Two World Service members are tying the knot. My brother-in-law, Tom Shepard, is marrying Sarah Fink next Friday, twenty-seventh of July, and I was wondering if you could give them a best of luck on the pod. Tom is a long-time Man United fan, but finds it increasingly difficult to support, in inverted commas, what is basically a bank. So has transferred much of his affection to the mighty O's, who are, of course, Ken, late Orient. He's also a seasoned Republic of Ireland campaigner and generally Here, happy... S- sorry, hold on a second. You had a chance to hold Ken over the coals for 30 seconds there um, while he tried we're to get on the super, super I would have guessed... Yeah, yeah, I would have guessed late Norwich. Just We need to keep this in mind, Owen. He does it to us all the time. Don't worry, I've got one of those lined up for the okay, second podcast great. today. Okay, well, that's good then. He's also a seasoned Republic of Ireland campaigner and generally happy to consume pretty much any sport. Sarah, a Pennsylvanian, follows the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pirates and can hold her own in any GAA conversation, mostly thanks to the World Service coverage. The road to marriage hasn't been without bumps. Tom recently threatened to marry the World Cup. And Sarah was involved. <laughs> Sarah was involved in a brief Twitter tryst with Murph, calling him the Thinking Woman's Ken, accompanied <laughs> by several heart emojis. <laughs> Don't know if you remember this tryst, Murph. You have oh. so many of these these Twitter trysts. Oh, you know? so many of them. I, yeah. I, I can't Sarah's, recall. Fortunately, Sarah's not special Sorry. for you. Uh, I'm sure you'll join me in wishing them a fantastic day on Friday and many happy years together. Thanks a mil. Owen. Well, yeah. Best of luck to Tom and Sarah. Sarah and Tom from everybody here and on behalf of everybody in the World Service family. I'm sure nobody will begrudge them that. No. Nah, hope you have a great well on day on Friday. If you want to get the weather now, God, wouldn't it be a sickener now so after Tom, all the great weather we've had? Tom must have been delighted with those. Uh, the latest Jose quotes. Well, yeah, <laughs> just you know, so they so they played. Uh, Jose was in San Jose to play the earthquakes, the local side. Manchester United nil, San Jose earthquakes nil was the final score. And Mourinho's quotes. I mean, there's all this story that uh, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, and a host of other European top clubs want to sign Anthony Martial. Why would they want to do something as crazy as that when we all know that Martial is weak? He he doesn't produce. He doesn't, you know. For some reason, all these top clubs have have had the wool pulled over their eyes and think that Martial is a good player. Um, I don't know what his agent told. This is uh, the the question put to me is on the lines of oh, Mar- Martial's agent says he wants out. I would like to be in Los Angeles, but now and I am in San Jose. You cannot have whatever you want. I would love to arrive in Los Angeles to train in Los Angeles, to play all my five matches in Los Angeles. Don't travel, don't change hotel, and then go back to Manchester. I would like to play against Leicester on Sunday, but I have to play on Friday. So you don't always get in life what you want. For me, it's a very strange preseason. Preseason, you try to be motivated and motivate the people around you, but it's not easy. <laughs> I did some preseason with some players, but to have 10 players away is very strange. Very strange. Fun season ahead, Tom. <laughs> it's sounding like he's, he's just really 
Right, just at the at the start line, you can will get he, the sense. Will he's he finish to go. the season as Manchester United manager, or will he even start it? In fact, that's he, the question he, at the he does sound like Ken Sard at the beginning of this podcast, and he's worked himself up to a frenzy yeah, by exactly. the end. So it's going to be a slow burn. If you want to join the World Service family, we can't guarantee we're going to find you a life partner, but we can guarantee that we'll keep the football coverage ticking over in these next few empty barren weeks. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thank Thanks, you, Thanks for listening. Thank you, Talk to you later. What is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys.